Good morning. It is good to be here today. want to wish all of you season's greetings. And I know some of you will look at that and kind of go, oh, wait, what? Season's greetings. But I want to wish you season's greetings. Today, I'm going to ask you if you would grab your Bible and open it up to Matthew chapter 1. We're going to take a tour starting in Matthew, and we're going to go back several different books of the Bible there. But we're going to start in Matthew. But before we do, I have to, well... If you know what humble brag is, do this. I got a humble brag, and a humble brag, that's one where you you tell a story where you look like the hero, even though it's not really about you, but, you know, you, you get a little bit of the glory. So I got a humble brag, and uh, I have had the opportunity over my adult life to get to participate in several marathon events or uh, half marathons, marathons, things along those lines. Now, most of you know what a marathon is or a half marathon, but uh, a marathon, for those of you who don't know, is a foot race that's 26.2 miles long. And a half marathon is only half of that, so it's only 20 kilometers or 13.1 miles long. And I've gotten to take part in some of those and... uh, well, it is amazing to me because I was taking part in that before the movie Forrest Gump came out. But the Forrest Gump movie did something. If you saw the Forrest Gump movie, you remember the part where he ran from coast to coast and he was running and running and running and then one day he just stopped? Something about that, all of a sudden, the people of the United States just went, oh, That's the thing. I think I'll do that. And so the number of people that would be taking part in these road races just through the roof. But within the road races, there are all different types. There are ones that take place in mountains. There are some that are a destination race, like uh, Walt Disney World has its own marathon where you get to run through all of their parks. Or Pacific Coast Highway where you start at Big Sur and you run along and you end up at Monterey Bay. And so you get to run along the coast and things along those lines. And they're nice. But then there's an entire series called the Rock and Roll Marathon Series. If you've heard of that, you can do this. Okay, so about three of you have heard of it, and that's good because I can make up and none of the rest of you will know the difference. The most recent rock and roll half marathon that I got to participate in is starting to take part in several of them. But some of them go in front of the Alamo and things along those lines, some of them up through the Fort Sam Houston and back. But I want you to picture before the sun ever comes up and you're in the middle of a downtown of a major city with 20,000 other people. And really and truly, there were 20,000 plus other people that were just as goofy as me to want to take part in this, plus all their family members that had driven them there and things along those lines. And so you really get this, in the name of it, the rock and roll, you can kind of get a picture. They've got the big speaker set up, and overhead they've got helicopters and a blimp, and they've got news cameras, and you can't hardly see anything and all of that. And right in the middle of this... I happen to walk up, and you don't just walk up. You've got corrals, and each one is as wide as a lane of traffic and about as long as our building here, and it's packed with a 1,000 people in this area. 
that are fixing to run this thing. And I walked up to my corral and standing right in front of me, there were there <clears throat> three people. Two young lady and a young men. And you know what they were doing? If I say young lady and young men, it ought to give you a clue what they were doing. They had their phones out. And they're taking selfies. And some of you know what, well, most of you know what a selfie is. But a selfie is a picture you take of yourself. And so you're in downtown and they're trying to catch everything from the helicopters and the blimps to the, the buildings with the lights and things along those lines and all the crowd. But the thing that cracks me up is in the middle of 20,000 people, they're holding their cameras out here at arm's distance and they're going... And taking pictures. And they look, I guess the way that they wanted to look between the duck lips and the hands on the hips and their backside sticking out and things along those lines. But I kept thinking to myself, number one. And number two, how much of it can you capture into the distance? Because you sure can't catch the helicopters and the crowd. But the other thing that struck me was three hours later as I'm coming across the finish line, I happened to finish at almost the same time as the guy that was in the pictures. And three hours and 13 plus miles later, did you know he wasn't still smiling and holding that phone out and going? He looked like he had been absolutely through it. And the way I know that is... I was passing him. You know he was dead, right? But when you think about the world in which we live, and when you think about the holiday season, isn't that really and truly a perfect metaphor for what's going on in our world? See, our, our world this time of year, we love the sparkle and the shine of Christmas. All you have to do is drive around Pecos. And even though Pecos is somewhat lacking in aesthetic beauty, we've got lights up on the city streets and the county courthouse and the ballpark out there. We, many of us, have lights up at our homes or inside our homes, and we're not the only ones, the Christians. The people of the world like the sparkle and the shine and the spirit of the season. And, well, in many ways that's a good thing and it opens a whole lot of doors. But there's a little bit of a problem. And let me explain to you what I mean. Just sitting down this morning, some of the songs I came up with that are around the Christmas season, the, the Christmas carols. You have things like away in a manger, no crib for a bed. The little Lord Jesus lay down his sweet head. You have, O come, let us adore him. You send the night and would one day rule the nations. Or we three kings of Orient are, and even, O holy night, the stars were brightly shining. It was the night of our dear Savior's birth. But you know, about the time I was born, we had many people that wanted to focus more on the money than the religion, and they deliberately, intentionally set out to try to remove the influence of Christianity from Christmas. Did you know that? 
And according to a brief history that I read, the song, It's Beginning to Look a Lot Like Christmas, was intentionally written to be put on television behind a TV show because it does not mention Christ, religion, or any of the story about the original intent behind Christmas. For example, grab a cup of cheer to replace anything religious. We also have, uh, it's the most wonderful time of the year where it's talking about things like grab a pair of hop-along boots. Yeah. If you even know what hop-along boots are these days, go ahead and do this. If you notice, it's only people with gray hair or no hair doing this. But that's when it started. Oh, and even Irving Berlin's White Christmas makes no religion one of its central tenets. So what is it then about this time of year that we can wish people a Merry Christmas? As a matter of fact, if you turn on the news right now and you listen very long, you'll probably even hear a story somewhere in our country today about a county somewhere that wanted to put up a nativity and they got sued by the Freedom From Religion Foundation and so they took down their nativity or they said, okay, you can have a nativity, but you also have to include any other religious emblems that any other group wants to put out there, from the Church of Satan to the Church of Witchcraft to Islam to whatever. All of this. You see, I want to make clear, nowhere in the Word of God are we ever told to commemorate or to celebrate or to remember Christmas. Nowhere does it ever say the day or date or time that Christ was born. We know that it was at a time of a census, at a time that was inconvenient. It was probably because of an agricultural society at a time that the harvest was finished so the people could still work and pay their taxes to Caesar because that's what he was interested in. And we know that he was born at night. And we even know where he was born. But for a minute, I want us to listen with new ears to the story. So Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18, and we're going to do a lot of skipping while we look at this story of what's important. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 and following. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Do you understand 
the implication of what just happened. She was pregnant and it was a scandal. And if you don't believe it was a scandal, remember later in Jesus' adult life when the Pharisees said to him, what do you mean we're not children of Abraham? We know who our parents are. And you claim to be the Son of God? And because Jesus Christ was the Son of God, He was able to fulfill all the requirements and all of the promises that were made. When the promise of Emmanuel was originally made, it was because the Israelite nation was under condemnation and was imminent destruction coming upon them. But a sign was promised. And that sign came many, many generations later in the form of Jesus Christ. If you would now flip over to the book of Luke. By the way, Mark makes no mention of the birth. Mark is more immediate and more urgent than either of the other books. But Luke picks up the story. Luke, though, tells it from a different perspective. See, Matthew was written to a Jewish audience, and so it focused on the things that were important to the Jewish folks. Luke was written to somebody that was not Jewish, but probably Greek. And so the story is a little bit different. We're going to pick it up in Luke chapter 1, verse 26, and we're going to keep going from there. Let me turn the page here. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with the earth eye. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. Wow. So here's this young woman, and she gets the message that even though you're not married, you're just engaged, you're fixing to have a baby. And she said, uh, what's it going to do to my reputation? No, she said, what's it going to do to make my life better? No. She said, may it be to me as you have said. And the question is, what's our attitude? Because with this proclamation, number one, don't be afraid. Why would the angel need to tell her don't be afraid? Because the road she was fixing to walk down was not going to be one of ease and comfort and popular opinion and people forever praising her name. It was one that was going to be hard. 
Do not be afraid. This is from God. And I think part of the reason that the world today is moving away from Jesus Christ is because we fear the hard and the discomfort. And, and we don't want to have to give up ourselves and what we want. We don't want to have to take up our cross and deny ourselves and follow Him. We want to leave Jesus in the manger, the away in a manger, the silent night manger. We want to leave Jesus as a baby in a manger forever to be worshipped and praised. And yet that's what we Matter of fact, as we get ready to turn the page, I'm going to ask you in just a minute for Doug to come up and lead us in a, a, another song. But before I do, flip down to, or look down to Luke chapter 1, verse 46. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for He has been mindful of the humble state of His servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered those who were proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things, but he set the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he has said to our fathers. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. But you know, Jesus did not come for the purpose of staying a baby in a manger. He did not come for the sake of simply checking a box. The name God with us is meaningless unless there's a purpose to His coming that is greater than just His existence because He could have existed with God the Father where He was. And so I want us today to remember the reason that He came. Doug... Song number 874, would you come up here in just a minute and lead us in that song? Luke chapter 2. In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken in the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while near the country. Everyone was in Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for him, them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace to men on whom his favors, favor rests. 
And when the angels had left them they, and had gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Doug, if you would, number 874, please. Thank you, Doug. You see, the reason Christ came wasn't so we could remember the day that He was born. The reason He came was so He could build a bridge back to God so that you and I could have a relationship with a Father who loves us forevermore. John, in his writing, the book of John, chapter 1, when he saw Jesus, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And part of the reason the world rebels so hard against that is because to recognize Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin recognizes my failures and my sin and my reliance on someone other than myself to be able to make things right. But we cannot make things right on our own. See, the book of Romans, chapter 3, verse 23, assures us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6, 23, though, tells us that the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ because there is no other name given under heaven whereby men must be saved. But Romans chapter 5, go ahead and flip over there if you would, please. Romans chapter 5. 
verses 1 through 17. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom He given us. You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we've now been justified by His blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through Him? For if when we were God's enemies we were reconciled to Him through the death of His Son, how much more having been reconciled shall we be saved through His life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we now have received reconciliation. Therefore... Just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men, because all sinned. For before the law was given, sin was in the world. But sin is not taken into account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who was a pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass, for if the many died by the trespass of Christ, more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Now in case all the one man and one man and one man threw you off, let me tell you what that just said. And you can take the time to go back and read it for yourself. It said that you are guilty of sin. And because you're guilty of sin, you stand condemned with a sentence of death over your head. And the death isn't just unless, unless through Jesus Christ you are reconciled to God. Because there is no other way. You see, Jesus didn't come to be born in a manger. He came to die on a cross so that He could purchase your forgiveness. But we also need to note He didn't stay dead on a cross. He rose from the grave and He overcame death. And by doing so, He gave us the promise of life forevermore with God our Father, through Jesus Christ. There's one other thing you need to know. In the book of 1 John and throughout the Bible, it says this. It says that it's not enough just to believe. We have to become obedient to His command. We have to become obedient to what He said. We have to obey 
Because just saying that there is a God and that there was a man, Jesus Christ, and He was born and that He did die, that's not enough unless we're willing to become like Him. Unless we are willing to sacrifice who we are and put on the characteristics of Christ so that unlike the Christmas lights on a house that are there for a season, we let His light shine through us every day of our lives so that the world can see His hope in us. Because of the promise we have. And if you're not living with that confidence, you might need to do some evaluation. We do have a promise and an assurance that gives us a hope that is beyond measure and beyond description if we are in Christ Jesus. You see, the reason the angel could say, I bring you good news of great joy was because he knew the end of the story. He knew not how far the 13.1 miles was where those people that were taking all those pictures at the start were going to be dragging across the finish line. He knew well done. opportunity. All that you have to do is obey. If we can help you with that in any way, whether it's coming back because you've walked away or whether it's starting to walk by putting Christ on in baptism, if we can help you, please let us know by coming as we stand and sing the invitation song.